Brigadu Media, our good friend, Chad Munitz. I think you're in the Queen City of Cincinnati. You're still in your I am. palatial bunker, your library. <laughs> yes. How's it going? What's happening? Wonderful. It's been uh, months and months. I think it's been three I months. Know. Since we've three months? Scored, wow. Honestly. I don't think anybody's missed us. I've heard no no fan mail saying, <laughs> where are these guys? Have you received any messages? Not, not either. Not even from family. Well, family. I mean, nobody in my family knows what's going on. So, yeah, but we decided to not to listen to the people. We are going back. We are going to make this podcast happen. So, here we go. We're going to talk about Super Leagues, sports television, namely the Big Ten, the leaders and the best, the boys from the Midwest, the Global Great Lakes going to L.A. to usurp UCLA and USC. Oh, my gosh. As a graduate of the... Ohio State University. Chad, are you excited that the Bruins and the Trojans are now part of the Big Ten? I am. I think it's uh, more consolidation. It's going to be two Super Leagues left. And that you're predicting. So two Super Leagues being Fox and ESPN. Yes. <laughs> I'm all for the Super Leagues. I think this is great. Um, I'm excited just about the ambition of the Big Ten. Like, I don't, you know, I mean, I spent, I'm out here on the East Coast and, you know, half my friends don't even know where Indiana is. So the fact that the Big Ten now literally has a national coast-to-coast manifest destiny conference. I find it exhilarating and thrilling. I'm super happy for the Big Ten. I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see what happens. I think it's better for the schools. I think it's better for the competition on the major sports. And quite frankly, it's probably actually very good for the minor sports for kids that are actually there getting an education and participating in minor sports. There's just going to be more availability for them to get get attention and get funding to continue those sports. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the cross pollination, certainly in the academics, I mean, is absolutely first rate. The fact now that the USC film school is a part of the big 10 is super exciting. You know, the fact that kids from LA will be spending time in Minnesota, Minneapolis, Iowa city. I mean, I think that's absolutely fantastic too. The fact that we're better connecting the country from coast to coast, I think it's going to be an actually a worthy experiment for students, you know, not alone, just alone at the student athletes. I agree. I, I was going to bring that point up. I think it's great that it's going to bring people around the country. We've got a lot of division in this country. We should just stay divided in our sports allegiance and keep the side. Right. Up. But you but think, I mean, we're good. both, we're both student government geeks. So you think about, yeah. uh, you know, the ability for now for students to connect with folks across the country. I think that's a first rate opportunity. Yeah, I agree. It's uh it's great. I think it, um, it's going to expose people too to just not only different types of people, but different options as they're trying to figure out where to go to school. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, even here at the university of Cincinnati, you know, we made football team made the national championship playoffs for the first time ever, the non big five conference uh, right. there. They had more students and it was almost double the enrollment in one year. And they, they pinned that solely on the performance of the football team. So kids around the country wanting to come to Cincinnati from seeing their football team on national TV. Now the exposure yeah, of athletics and uh, student admissions, it's definitely worth all the effort and the time that the university's put into it. And it's a, that's a great data point. Getting around to like the two super leagues. So um, me personally, I could care less where Notre Dame ends up. I'm really not interested in the SEC. You know, I'm totally focused on the big 10, um, but you really think we're down up. I mean, what do you see two conferences of 25 teams? almost like an A-plus 
college football league and then we're gonna have like a tiered almost high school system of uh, college sports going forward yeah i think that's what it's going to end up there'll be the two super leagues uh driven by marketing and money putting those together and then the the other guys underneath it which which uh at the end of the day i think takes a little bit of the the drama out of the sports the playoff championship and again, as I mentioned, I think it's good for all the other minor sports around there to be able to play in those two super leagues for those kids. Yeah, the Olympic sports, as they call them. So track and field, soccer, uh, the Michigan hockey team put out this great tweet following uh, USC and UCLA coming in. They, they superimpose the colors of UCLA and USC on goalies, hockey goalies, and they said, welcome to the Big Ten. So. <laughs> But yeah, you think about volleyball, you think about uh, crew, you think about lacrosse, you think about track and field. Absolutely very exciting. As I said, I don't really care about the SEC. I don't care where Notre Dame goes to. Notre Dame could join the CFL for all I care. I don't know how you feel, but I could <laughs> I care less about Notre Dame. There's a book to be written there about the Notre There's some crazy spat between the Big Ten and Notre Dame, which we need to explore in a separate podcast. But where does – I think the Big Ten is going to add two more teams, maybe four more teams. What's your sense? I mean, there's I, this, I would, I would, go ahead. I would assume four more teams. I think they're going to continue to add more West Coast kind of uh, mountain coast uh, teams to their league. So you won't find this surprising. Maybe you've heard this term. My friends, my Chardonnay friends in Ann Arbor have this term, the public Ivies, right? So they consider Michigan a public Ivy. Yeah. The Ohio State is not on that list. It's but, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, other public Ivies, uh, which is, I only hear this when I'm in Ann Arbor, but um, the other public Ivies apparently are UVA, University of Virginia, North Carolina, schools like that. I mean, do you see the Big Ten going to the Southeast, kind of pick up schools like that? Or do you see, like, a continued pivot, say, Stanford, Cal, Berkeley, Colorado, even Arizona? Do you think it's more of a East-West kind of situation? I think it's East-West. Yeah. I see Stanford, Cal, um, I think it's Arizona, Arizona State. What about Oregon and Washington? Then the Oregon thing I think is interesting because then you have the Nike, right, right. versus Under Armour. Under Armour is underwritten – by Kevin Plank, University of Maryland, Terrapins, Fear of the Turtle. Uh, do you see, I mean, I'm wondering, does, does Plank want Nike in the Big Ten? I don't know. I assume he does. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. Apparently, uh, the Nike guys are just obsessed with, obviously, Oregon winning a national championship. Phil Knight is spending, you know, who knows, unknown amounts of money to keep Oregon there. Does Oregon join the Big Ten or – I personally think I'm like, where would I want to travel? If I'm a alum, you know, do I want to travel to Portland, Oregon, or do I want to go to Denver or do I want to go to Phoenix? So I think there's a situation. I think Colorado is kind of an interesting place. Like, you know, if I'm a alum, if I'm an Ohio state Buckeye, do I want to go see a game in Boulder, Colorado, or do I want to go, you know, to rainy Oregon to watch a game? I don't know. What, what's your thoughts about that? I think they'd rather go to Colorado, but I think the allure of getting Nike involved in this is pretty big. Yeah. So what happens to these second, I mean, not even like a third tier school now. I mean, the back, the Mac conference is going to be a third tier conference, which will be fine. Right. Um, but what happens to a school? Yeah. Like a Colorado, like a Utah, you know, um, where do they end up or does it matter? Or do they join like this other kind of super big 12 conference? I think they joined the super conference. It's a level of play below for that. Yeah. What's your sense about Cincinnati, where they end up or where their aspirations are? A lot of this is kind of ego driven by the boosters, by the university presidents, by the regents. 
how ambitious they want to be. Um, but as you alluded to, sports are definitely an emissions driver. So does Cincinnati say, hey, you know, should Cincinnati be in the Big Ten? I, I would love to be. I mean, they're joining the Big 12 now, uh, which they thought was a big move until all this additional conference realignment has happened. So all of a sudden, the Big 12 has just dropped a couple notches down below SEC and Big 10. So it's just not near the same. What's interesting, when um, when you – I don't know if you know the story. So when Governor – now Senator Mark Warner, he was Governor of Virginia. I got to check the exact dates on this. But when UVA, University of Virginia, joined the ACC – Virginia Tech was like, hey, what about us? And interesting, Richmond, local state politics got involved, and the border regions, and basically at the state level, were like, hey, if we don't join the ACC as well, if Virginia Tech doesn't also get an invitation, we're going to slow up funding to Virginia. And like the governor got involved, and this would not surprise you with somebody who spent so much time in Columbus, but it's interesting, even the local politics, like the, the prestige of these other universities. And like the state dynamic of saying, hey, you know, we're an equal institution. We want to be in the same league. You wonder if there's going to be some backroom chat in Cincinnati about saying, hey, what about us? It is. I'm sure they will, but it is hard to compete against Ohio State. Well, the, Ohio well State in isn't, the it the, isn't it the Ohio State? Aren't you supposed to, Ohio as a graduate, State. to say the all the time? <clears throat> it is. I, I do. You know, we talked a little about your new university president, Michigan, uh, offline. Santa Ono, what a name. He, he might, you know, maybe he'll start uh, trying to trademark some UM stuff. The University um, of Cincinnati. The University of... That, that'll never happen in Ann Arbor. No silliness. No, there's no need to, like, trademark. <laughs> the, I can't wait. I've actually started a T-shirt line. You can find it on Custom Inc. Uh, it's the everything. I'm waiting for a lawsuit from Ohio State. Anyways, um... Yeah, I'm interested in local politics. I'm interested where this goes. Um, I don't know. What are your th- what are your thoughts on like like these kind of super schools like University of Miami, Florida State, Clemson? Do you care, or are you just like focused on the Big Ten like myself? I, I'm much more focused on the Big Ten. Yeah, it's, it's local. It's interesting. It's good to see this these additional schools play with them. I mean, part of it just shows my age. I liked when the Big Ten champion. Played the uh, Pac-10 champion every year in the Rose Bowl for football. I know. That was fantastic. Fantastic ending. And so now we'll get to play them every year um, as this continues to align. So <clears throat> I, I think it's all good. I think um, what changes uh, with this dynamic is hopefully, as you mentioned, the Olympic sports get some more notoriety. Right. I think with, with streaming, with conferences having their own marketing rights to athletic events we can really start pushing out more of the niche sports uh, that are great to watch what's your buzz around the um being there in the belly of the beast in columbus in cincinnati in ohio um what's your sense is there excitement or is it just kind of like whatever doesn't really matter we still just need to be michigan michigan stinks i i I don't think there's much excitement actually really yeah i think their view is uh we just got to show up and win. We don't care who comes in front of us. Um, you know, I think that the big thing that they want <clears throat> is to have enough competition with their yearly schedule. On, right. This is strictly football. The enough right. competition, their yearly schedule that they can still suffer a loss and make the playoffs. 
Well, I think if you go to the super conference route, I mean, I, I'm going, I'm thinking about like high school, right? So I went to a crazy school in Michigan, Brother Rice, and it was, you know, it was just, it was, eight, it was an all boys school, 800 boys, everybody played sports. It's all that really mattered for sports. And, you know, it was, there was going to be one or two losses, but you still got into the final 16, right? So it seems to me when you go to the super conference route, you're going to have like eight and three, nine and three records, which is fine, you know, but, um, but you're going to have to have an 18 or 12 team playoff, which is probably going to happen. Cause once you decide to play, you get rid of cupcakes off your schedule and you're playing quality teams week in and week out, you're going to have to think you're going to lose one or two games, which might make it more exciting actually. And then I don't know, you have like a point system like they have in high school to decide who goes into the, into the final 16. That's maybe where we're going. I think then what you what you're gonna end up having are these two super conferences taking over the NCAA's responsibility for how you treat players and coaches and how the NIL stuff works, um, how transfers work. They're gonna start regulating how that works to keep competition even amongst those two super conferences. Yeah, it would be a uh, a slow it would be a tough day to be in Indianapolis at the NC2A, but um, I don't know. They've got March Madness. I don't know. Maybe they become a basketball super conference. I don't know. It's always, it's exciting. It's interesting. I mean, nobody spends more time thinking about sports than Americans. It's absolutely fantastic. Innovation is alive and well. Before it was interesting you mentioned about streaming, our good friend, Chris Keldorf is out. He's with this uh, company out of Austin called flow sports. And what they actually do is kind of target second and third tier athletics. And they just signed up the South Atlantic conference all their media rights to kind of stream. It's from a former crew of guys that used to work at ESPN and they're, they're picking out these like niche sports, right? Like rowing, squash, lacrosse, maybe second and third tier athletic conferences and getting them streaming because, you know, they have fans as well. It's easy to kind of put this stuff out there. And um, that's going to, that's going to change the, the nature of it too. I mean, you could see the big 10 network now becoming almost, could it become a challenger to ESPN and Fox sports? Yeah, I think that's the way it's going to go with these super conferences. They're going to start having their own streaming service and their own over the air through cable services. And you'll just be able to pick the menu of sports and follow them along. I love it. All right, here we go. We exhausted that topic. How are you feeling? I mean, sure. when, does Michigan, when does Michigan play uh, Ohio State? When does, Michigan, when does Michigan beat Ohio State again for two years in a row? Do we know? I don't know. I have to look it up. Um, is my hostility is my hostility towards Notre Dame correct, incorrect, or just about right? I think it's just about right. <laughs> nice. Who, who, you know, who cares? There's got there's desperately a story there. I'm surprised Netflix hasn't done a uh, you know behind the scenes about the Big Ten Notre Dame spat. Anyways, here we go. Off, let's talk about office spaces going oh. back to work. Oh, you don't like Not that the movie. Idea. We could talk about the movie Flair. Anyways, um, I think it was interesting. There's not surprising this week. The Post had a story about surprise. Nobody likes to work on Fridays. <laughs> Shocker. Even before COVID, right? And they're just talking about the, the patterns of people going to the office. Tuesday is now the most popular day to go to the office. Friday, it's like a ghost town. Uh, I don't know if you follow this kind of millennial news site, Morning Brew, but they're essentially joking that Thursday is now Friday, which is basically the weekend. So, um, people have just given up on Friday. What, what are you seeing about is Friday still a work day? I guess you have, sure. I guess you, I guess you have to say yes. Cause you, <laughs> yes for me, but it sure does not seem it, uh, of walking the streets of downtown Cincinnati on a Friday. It's a significant difference on commute traffic, uh, bodies on the, on the street. 
Do you think significant and change and are people uh, not working? Be, or go ahead, sorry. Yeah, well, I think it's what's going to be interesting is to see really what happens with productivity over the next couple of years. Yeah, you'll have enough data to be able to manage that. Is I, I still really think at the end, people are more productive. They're going to work more. They're working more hours during the day. They're just doing it at other places because right. of the connectivity. Well, you aren't sitting in the office getting stuff done. You're picking up your phone at seven o'clock at night. You're taking your laptop to the coffee shop on the weekends. You're still connected. You're probably as productive as you were before. I think too, like uh, me personally, I've noticed almost like a change in my behavior where um, meetings have been shifted or kind of activity, or if I got to produce certain kind of content or if I, you know, I need to, if I'm going to write, if I'm kind of blocking out time, on my week to kind of do certain activities um, instead of thinking over a five day, you know, it's like a four day and maybe like Friday to me has become like this kind of like almost strategy day or catch up and kind of do some like softer stuff. So you wonder, I mean, I think there's gonna be a transformation, even how workers kind of approach the work week, which is pro probably a positive instead of this kind of nine to five almost industrial aspect of work. Yeah, agree. I think there's eventually going to be this big play on on these national, oh, still kind of co-working spaces, where if you work for companies, they'll have agreements. You can travel anywhere around the country and pop in, have a workspace, have a coffee shop to work from. You can still touch base. You still need that human connection. I think truly just working from home, being stuck in your office as we were during COVID is not what the future is, but being flexible and getting out connecting with humans is still important. You can't do everything over zoom, but you don't need to do everything through your cubicle and your physical office space. So I think you're going to start seeing all these leases flexible where um, you can expand and downsize. And there'll be a group where I've got office space in 50 cities across the country. You can travel and go anywhere you want to be able to check in and work with your colleagues. Yeah, getting back to like colleges and universities, I mean, that is like the college experience, right? I mean, you show up at certain times, you have lectures, but the rest of it is really up to you to figure out when to do the work, where to do the work. Do you do it in a library? Do you have a study group? Do you do it at a coffee shop? So it's almost like we're taking the college experience and transforming it to corporate America, which is probably a positive thing. I mean, will it lead to more creativity, more innovation, uh, more better performance? I think for white collar jobs, probably yes. Where it's interesting is if, you know, if you're manufacturing a jet, you know, you obviously have to, you can't bring a jet to your house. You still have to do that kind of office space work. Um, so I'm wondering about like the impact on that. Will there be resentment between certain kind of workers because of their requirements to kind of go to a workspace? Yeah, I think there is. The class system will become more evident. And uh, what you're going to end up with is, <clears throat> you know, I think different pay scales too to accomplish these things. I think one yeah. of the things that corporate America is going to figure out is with this transient workspace, you don't have to pay as folks as much. So there will right. be less of a difference between that and where the, the, uh, the worker who does the manual labor is going to be benefiting in terms of raising their wages, the competition for that. And you certainly are an economic development pro and you've seen the competition between states. I mean, do you, sense, do you get a sense that like Kentucky, I'm just throwing states out, like will Colorado loosen up their state laws to make it easier for kind of work from home? I mean, do you see that to be like the next development? It seems to me if I'm running a company and have employees in 20 states, I'm like, oh my God, there's 20 different state you know, codes, there's all these different regulations. 
do you see a simplification? Do you see more? I mean, do you sense there's gonna be competition between states for saying, hey, we'll make it easier for our work from home, kind of flexible well, work environment? I, there always is going to be competition from states to try to push that. I think the, the groups that get hurt are actually cities. Um, the way you tax, the way you track these things becomes more and more difficult. And as you know, from dealing with government, they're always, gosh, a decade behind the technology of what's happening. Right. And even with just during the pandemic and work from home of how they track where was a worker? Were they actually accounting for being in the city? And should we collect the wage tax from the city? Or if they live in the suburbs, where does that go? It's starting to impact that in terms of where you generate revenue. And part of the problem, especially in Midwestern states that have old industrial city bases, they're the cities that have such a strain on public resources. Right. They're not getting the tax benefit of that anymore, of having the workers in your traditional downtown office setting. Yeah, this is a good segue because I want to kind of talk about um, tourism next and kind of what we're seeing and like hospitality kind of fits into that. And so where, how are cities going to compete? I mean, is it going to, uh, are they going to be leaning more on states like for block grants? I mean, is it going to take creating, I guess there's going to be more experimentation around this or are they just in a state of panic right now? They really don't know. They're paralyzed to make the proper moves. I think they're in a state of panic. Hmm. And, and can't figure out how to make the proper moves and how you track that. Um, at the end of the day, with tourism and, and workforce, the power is in the professional who's looking for a job. I think that has swayed so much because of the pandemic. We'll continue to stay there. Um, even as the labor shortage softens up, uh, even going into this recession, the employee has the power. And so they're going to decide where they want to work from, where they want to live, what type of entertainment they want to consume. And that's where the states and the government and politicians are struggling to figure out how to work with that. And then getting into, yeah, I was thinking about this kind of like a professional kind of infrastructure, right? Like the exercise studios, the coffee shops, the delis, the restaurants, the hotels that kind of service these urban cores for the traveling professional. Um, what's going to happen there? I mean, what's your sense? More consolidation, more innovation. How does a coffee shop scale up? I mean, it seems to me that like they're going to have to be a lot more flexible and maybe they're just not a coffee shop anymore. Maybe they're going to have to offer two or three different services besides just selling coffee and danishes. Yeah, I think they have to, to go up. I think uh, you're going to end up, you know, having more Starbucks of the world that can have, that's not the right more, answer. More Kevin. companies. I, I think that's what's going to happen. It's going to be hard oh, interesting. to, hard to yeah. stay with it. There's going to be more of these large companies that do that can, can localize the experience, but also have that same quality experience regardless of where you show up. And then uh, so you'll, one of you'll the have... biggest things that are just going to push this is getting into the, the deep political divide of our country. You're going to just have red and blue businesses, red and blue states. People are going to be driven to that. Outside of how they work, because at the end of the day, people are going to work in things that they find interesting where their skill set is, but they're going to choose to do that work in states and establishments that they feel meet their personal ideological standpoint. Wow, that sounds absolutely wonderful. You've really depressed me on this uh, Saturday morning. More politics. That's what we need. When I go buy coffee, I've got to think about my political footprint. Um, yeah. Now, it's interesting. So you think we'll have like almost more kind of holding companies, you know, they'll have these kind of localized names, localized experiences, but the books, that is the financial, the CFO, 
behind the scenes is kind of over, overseeing, you know, a thousand different coffee shops and maybe 10 different metropolitan areas. Yeah. Cause I think it's going to be hard to, at the end of the day, the entrepreneurial side of it is hard to keep up with what is happening on a general basis. And you're going to yeah. end up getting outside equity and these large firms being able to control this. And the ones that are going to succeed are the ones that are going to make it appear to the consumer that it is still a localized thing. But you know you can get that quality experience wherever you go. Yeah. And it seems that part of that experience, like we've talked about, like I, I can foresee the next wave of homes being built in the U.S. where you have a home office, but it's equipped with proper lighting, proper audio. It's, you know, you can stream 24-7, essentially, of your own personal broadcast studio. So you can see, like, hotel rooms adding these. I mean, they've got to be much more efficient, much more tech-savvy, coffee shops even having little photo booths so you can stream live while you're, you know, drinking your latte. I don't know. This disruption is kind of exciting, but it's kind of unsettling because you're making some big bets in a world that seems to be changing. We really haven't settled on what is the new work week? What is the new workflow? What is it, what is, what is it like to be a new employee in this new world? Yeah, it's tough. I think the, the whole thing that is disturbing to me is just how you onboard and get people to build your culture of your community Yeah, when it's so transient. But we're getting old. It's for the young kids to figure that out. I'm not getting old, man. What do you have? We got to work for another 20 years, man. So I don't know where you're going. I don't know. Maybe you've done well. Maybe you've done well with your Bitcoin investment. So, yeah. All right. Um, what else are you paying attention to before we wrap this up? Anything you want to throw out there to our dwindling audience? Yeah. Yes. And I don't think I've talked about this with you. Oh, One no. of the best shows on tv wait we got to, I, got to, I got these oh. cards man you can't just jump around oh i thought this was our what am i oh yeah into? what's going oh, on oh yeah no i didn't know if you had some other kind of like oh, i didn't really want to talk about okay right. what we're reading and watching here we go chad units what are you reading and watching best series on television back for its second season only murders in the building <laughs> that show is so horrible <laughs> i couldn't even finish the first one uh, so tell me that the second one is better seems it's alarming. Fantastic. Okay, I trust you. The That's Yang all you're going to say Yang. about it? That's all you're yeah, going to say about it? Great. You've got uh, young millennial Selena Gomez with the, you know, the old curmudgeons. Uh, I will say, uh, yeah, Martin. Television. Those two together, uh, Steve Martin and uh, what's his name? What the hell is Martin this? Martin Martin Short. So the Mar Steve Martin, Martin Short, Martin Martin. Yes. Um, those two guys together, like the repertoire on you know talk shows and on stage seems great. Um, I don't know. I just couldn't get into it, but I'm thrilled that you enjoyed it. Maybe you are much older than I thought you were. So that's fantastic. <laughs> that seems right up your alley. You probably missed Murder She Wrote, so you're like, I've got yeah, my murder gosh, fix. Gosh, where is Angela Lansbury when you need her? Um, no, that's good. And it seems like the second season, they've added more first rate actors, right? I think that's, what's an interesting trend. Yeah, it's great. I, you know, um, but how many murders in a building can actually happen? I mean, is it one, one a season? One a season. That's all you need. It's a very <laughs> violent country we live in. <laughs> um, okay. That's exciting. What else are you paying attention to? Uh, I, I'm still uh, struggling for new music. It's this constant quest. I know we talked last time uh, that new uh, radio station out of New York 
that I listen to, but I think it's still a constant struggle nowadays to figure out how to find good new music. There is discovery, just too man. much, too much <laughs> to discover. It's hard to weed through it, figure it out. Well, maybe you should start a show. I mean, I think you, like the things really when you start curating content, it kind of forces you to make decisions. I don't know. Maybe you should be the savior and deliver. Yeah. I don't know. Dedicate an hour a week and pick out 10 songs to share with the universe. Could be something new. <laughs> you don't sound like, interesting. <laughs> I almost went to a uh, concert last night, but I decided I couldn't stay up past 10 o'clock. So I passed yeah. on it. Yeah. Who, who were you going to? It was a Brazilian uh, jazz performer at 930 Club. Uh, seemed interesting, but I don't know. Sure enough, I was asleep by 1030. So I'm glad I <laughs> didn't make that decision. Um, a show I've been watching on Hulu FX, The Bear. It's about a chef who comes back from uh, all these fancy restaurants. It's kind of an underground, underground hit. It's very kind of kinetic, it's edited pretty harsh, but they also zero in on the food, the knife work, all that kind of good stuff. Um, but no, it's a good show. It takes place in Chicago about this hot shot chef comes back to save the family restaurant. And it is on my list. I haven't seen it. I've heard it has a great 90s music soundtrack. Speaking of music discovery. The soundtrack's absolutely fantastic. The Shazam has been at the ready. I've added some uh, tunes to my collection. Uh, no, that's been a good place for music discovery. Almost TV shows, getting out there and curating. Um, and then I just wanted to share this book, The Nature Fix. Our good friend, Florence Williams, who did a Brigadier Monthly Call last year, but just about getting out in nature, forest bathing, looking at trees, getting offline, except for this podcast. Everybody should watch this podcast. But after this podcast, once you're done viewing this, Go out, out look there. at a tree, and uh, be inspired by the world around you. Sounds That's good. It. We, we got to do this more often. I'm ready, man. I'm ready. We'll be back in, uh, I guess, November. So thanks, everybody, for watching. We will see you soon. Send music recommendations to Chad Munitz. He's on the, uh, the Twitter machine. Are your DMs open? Are you accepting DMs via Twitter? Yeah, sure. Slide into his DMs and uh, send him some music suggestions. He's desperate for new music. All right, everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye.